We're going to read from verse 26 to verse 40. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem, unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near, and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh this, the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? And Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch. And he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found as Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So in verse 36, uh, we see, we read the eunuch asking the question, what doth hinder me to be baptized? And we see Philip answer there in verse 37, and he says, if thou believest, with all thine heart, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And the eunuch said, he answered, and he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We can only know from the scriptures that he done this with all of his heart. So what does it, what does it mean to believe with all thine heart? What does it mean? Uh, we're going, we don't hear the Ethiopian eunuch again here in, in the scriptures, but we do have the Bible here and we can uh, gather from other scriptures what a man who has believed with all of his heart looks like. What, what does that look like in practice? We live in a Christianity today for the most part that uses the heart as an excuse to live ungodly. We hear people say, you know, look, God just looks at the heart. You know, he looks at the heart. But, and that is a true statement. God does look at the heart. And we're going to look at that statement in the Bible shortly in its proper, proper biblical context. But what a lot of people mean by that statement when they say, say it is this, God is not going to look at my actions, he's going to look at my heart. That's what they mean when they say it. They say it because they know their actions are ungodly, but somehow they think that their heart is all for God and that God somehow will look at someone's heart as good even though their heart is contrary to their actions. But that is not a concept that we ever see in the Bible. 
In the Bible, a man that has believed with all of his heart also wants to follow God. And he wants to do that with all of his heart. That's what the Bible says. He's not looking for an excuse to live ungodly. The Bible concept of a man who has a heart for God is seen in his godly actions. And it's just not his words. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 19, he says, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. But God looks at the heart, they say. He does look at the heart. And it manifests itself in actions. The actions prove what is going on in the heart. In fact, if we're just going to listen to our hearts and let that trump and, and trump and, uh, against what the Bible says, the Bible says we're deceived. The Bible says we're very deceived. Jeremiah 17, 9-10 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? But verse 10 says, Jeremiah 17 verse 10 says, I the Lord search the heart. I try the reins even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Here we see a man's doings come from the heart. Today we'll look at some scriptures of what it looks like in action for a man who has truly believed in his whole heart, with his whole heart. We know for that for the most part the Psalms are written by King David. Uh, and it's said that he is a man after God's own heart. So we'll see this and turn to 1 Samuel 13, verse 14. So the Lord speaking to Saul through the prophet Samuel says, But now thy kingdom shall not continue. That's Saul's kingdom. The Lord has sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. So here we see what it means to be a man after God's own heart. Saul was not that man because of his actions. We see it here. He proved that his heart was not after the Lord's by his actions. In Acts 13.22, the Apostle Paul, speaking of the same account, says this, And afterward they desired a king, and God gave unto them Saul, the son of Kis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin by the space of 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all of my will. Mm. What a contrast we see there from, uh, uh, between Saul and David. Saul, uh, he didn't want to do the commandments of the Lord. But David, he had a heart for the Lord and he will fulfill all my will, the Bible says. So turn to Samuel 16 verse 7. So this is the actual passage that a lot of people use out of context to justify their ungodly actions, saying that God looks at the heart and not at, not at their actions. But as we'll see, that this is, this is not actually what the passage says. When the Lord told Samuel to uh, find a king to replace Saul, he first looked at Eliab, David's oldest brother. And uh, we see there in uh, verse 7, it says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, 
but the Lord looketh on the heart. So the outward appearance it is talking about here is physical things that might impress men like good bone structure, uh, being tall, things of that nature. But the Lord looks beyond those things. It's not talking about outward actions as if the Lord is going to overlook those things. It's not outward actions. Now that's what the man who wants to justify his ungodly actions wants it to say. That's what he wants it to say, that oh, God's going to look at my heart, it doesn't matter kind of what I do because you know, my heart's for the Lord and even though my actions don't prove it. And this, is the, this is the scripture that they use. It's not talking about that. The outward appearance uh, is talking here about physical things. Physical things. It always amazes me how the devil uses a little bit of scripture and tweaks it. Mm. Just tweaks it just a little bit and people fall for it. That's right. So let's look at what the scriptures say about a true believer who has a heart for the Lord. A true believer and what he should look like. So we're looking mostly in the Psalms to get a glimpse of what a wholehearted belief, perhaps like the Ethiopian eunuch, looks like. So look at eight uh, verses from David, who is a man after God's own heart. First one we're going to look at, it's, so the first one we'll look at is that a man that believes with his whole heart will praise God with his whole heart. He will praise God with his whole heart. But he doesn't only just praise God and keep, to, keep it to himself. He cannot help but to show others the God that he praises. So turn to Psalm chapter 9, verse 1. So it says there, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvellous works. So we live in a day, you know, where there's a lot of uh, what you call closet Christians. You know, they may claim to know God and even go to church on Sundays uh, they sing a few songs, tick that box, but their heart isn't in it. Their heart's not in it. You know, when they leave their building, they leave their Christianity in the building. The rest of the week, you wouldn't even know that they were even a Christian. You wouldn't know. But David had a heart for others, that they would also fear the Lord. Turn to Psalm 22, look at verse 22. David says, I have preached righteousness in the great congregation, lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. So a man who has believed with all of his heart, he cannot be silent about the marvellous works of the Lord. This was the heart of David. Uh, this uh, is a glimpse of what we would see of a man who has believed with all of his heart, like Ethiopian eunuch, a wholehearted belief, uh, he just can't be silent. He's just got to say something about the Lord. Mm. doesn't matter where he is, what he does, at his work, uh, wherever he's going, he's got to say something about the Lord. The second one is that a man that has believed with all of his heart will look for other wholehearted believers and praise God along with them. So look at Psalm 111, verse 1. It says, Praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. Now there's a lot of Christians today, when looking for an assembly, they're looking for convenience uh, rather than uprightness. 
This is the type of thing that they're looking for. Their priorities are skewed. They look for an assembly or a congregation that's nice and close to home, uh, you know, so it won't ruin the rest of their day. Uh, they look for a congregation that supply the best coffee with the entertaining band and a nice light show. These are the kind of things they're looking for. They look for ear-tickling preaching that doesn't touch on God's righteousness, on sin and, and judgment. They look for an assembly that don't mind going down to the local pub for a few drinks. Movie nights even. Discos. Social clubs, you name it. That's the average assembly these days. That's what you see. But not David. Not David. In Psalm 22 verse 25, David says, My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will pay my vows before them that fear him. That's where his priority was. That's where he wanted to praise the Lord, with others that feared the Lord. Amen. David says in Psalm 26, 4 to 8, he says, I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. I will wash mine hands in innocency, so will I compass thine altar, O Lord that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honour dwelleth. Amen. This is where his priorities were. A wholehearted believer will seek out the assembly of the upright to praise the Lord, an assembly that, up, that upholds God's righteousness. Amen. That was the heart of David. The third one that we want to look at today is that a wholehearted believer not only keeps God's words dear to him, but will seek to live by them. Turn to Psalm 119, verse 2. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. There's a lot of people that might agree with the wholehearted believer in theory but not in practice, not in practice. It's no good just to talk about you know, the words of the Lord if you're not seeking to live by them. Verse 3, we see there in the passage, David says, they also do no iniquity, they walk in his ways. They walk in his ways. Now this is the heart of a true believer. They take sin seriously with a diligence to follow all of God's ways, not just the ones that are going to suit them. Look at verse 4. It says, Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Diligently. Verse 5. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Verse 6. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. This is the heart of a true uh, believer. This is the heart of a man uh, that has believed with all of his heart. I mean, he knows he's not perfect, but he still wants to be perfected. Amen. He hates his own shortcomings. Amen. He wants to learn more and more so he can keep the Lord's statutes. He doesn't want to sin. He doesn't want to sin. Look at verse 7 and 8. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments, I will keep thy statutes. O forsake me not utterly. We also see this in the New Testament. Turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 
turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. Now this should be the heart of a Christian. This is somebody who has believed with all their heart. They want to live for the Lord with all their heart. So 1 Peter chapter 4, we'll be reading from verses 1 to 4. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. For the time past in our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles, when we walked in lasciviousness, lusts, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. That's what we used to do. But you don't do them anymore. Amen. Today it's not only the world that think it's strange that you don't run with them to the same excess of riot, but many professing believers also think it's strange that you don't as well. That's crazy. That's crazy. Turn to John, uh, 1 John, uh, verse 1. Uh, sorry, 1 John 1, verse 8. So a man, a man that's after God's own, own heart, he doesn't use his fallen condition in Adam as an excuse to sin. He doesn't do that. He understands that he's a sinner saved by grace, yes, but he doesn't tread that grace under his feet. David admitted in Psalm 51.5, he said, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. But this was in a prayer of repentance. He didn't glory in his sin or ever make an excuse for it. 1, 1 John 1, 1.8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Look at this, my little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And look at chapter 2 verses 1 to 4. And he is the propitiation of our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him. How? Well, if we keep his commandments. Amen. That's how we know. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Mm. Yeah, you know, we're, we're born in sin. David admitted that. Shaping in iniquity. But yeah, we, have a, we do have an advocate with the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. But woe to that man if he uses his condition to, as an excuse to sin. He hasn't been saved. That man hasn't been saved. He hasn't understood the grace of God. He hasn't understood it. The wholehearted believer will seek the Lord with his whole heart to keep his testimonies. To keep his testimonies. The fourth one is that a wholehearted believer seeks God's strength to live for the, for, to live for the Lord. He seeks God's strength to live for the Lord. He doesn't rely on his own strength because he knows he's prone to wander. He knows. So turn to Psalm 119, verse 10. It says, With my whole heart I have sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from those 
from thy commandments. So this, this shows the importance of prayer. We can think in our head that we want to live by God's word, but having the right thoughts is not enough. Here we see a whole heart of man praying to God, asking the Lord to not let him wander. We cannot rely on, on our own strength and head knowledge to live for the Lord. We can't do it. A wholehearted believer will be in prayer relying on God's strength to lead him. Proverbs 3.6 says, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Look at the rest of this prayer. Look at uh, verse 11, Psalm 119, verse 11. It says, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. What's he saying there? Teach me, Lord. I want to learn your ways. I want to learn your ways. Look at verse 12. Blessed art thou, O Lord. Teach me thy statutes. Teach me, Lord. I want to learn your ways. Teach me. That's his heart. He wants to know. Look at verse 13. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. What's he saying now? I just can't keep it in. It's just got to come out. It's just got to come out. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of thy mouth. Look at verse 14. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. Oh, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies. Wow. Lord, I treasure your word. That's my treasure. I mean, others, they treasure riches, but Lord, I treasure your word, your testimonies. Look at verse 15. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. He doesn't just read his Bible, tick that box, yep, done. He meditates in it. I've got verse 16. I'll delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. It's not a burden for the whole heart of man to live for the Lord. It's a delight. Amen. It's a delight. A man that has believed with all of his heart will seek the Lord in prayer with all of his heart for the strength for the Lord's strength to live for him. The fifth one is a wholehearted believer relies upon God for understanding. Look at Psalm 119, verse 34. Give me understanding and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. So you could be a Bible scholar and write books and books about the Bible, observing it for a lifetime with your head filling your head full of knowledge and instruction for others. But here we see a wholehearted believer calling out to God, wanting understanding, not, not just to understand, but to observe God's word with his whole heart. Look at the next verse there. Verse 35 there, it says, Make me go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. She's saying there, oh Lord, I can't do this alone. I need your understanding. I need your understanding. Verse 36 there says, Incline my heart unto thy testimonies and not to covetousness. Lord, I just don't want to be a head knowledge Christian so that I can look knowledgeable. Lord, incline my heart to thy testimonies, not just my head. A wholehearted believer will teach his family these things. Solomon, he was David's son. 
And he writes in Proverbs uh, chapter 4, verses 1 to 6, he says, Hear ye, children, the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He, that's David he's talking about here, taught me also, and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not and she shall preserve thee. Love her and she shall keep thee. So a wholehearted believer doesn't just observe the word of God just to write books, have good suggestions, or just to have a head knowledge about the facts. You know, to build up his own pride but he delights in the word of God to walk in the paths of God's word himself. And he wants to teach that to his kids mm. and his family. The sixth one is a wholehearted believer relies upon the mercy of God. Look at Psalm 119, 58. Psalm 119, 58. I entreated thy favour with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. So here, here we see another glimpse of the heart of the Ethiopian eunuch. Ethiopian eunuch, you know, he was travelling through the desert uh, earnestly entreating God. He was looking through the scriptures and he was desiring to know who it was that, was that the scriptures were talking about. He was reading Isaiah the prophet and we only get a glimpse in Acts of the passage that the eunuch was reading so let's look at the passage. Turn to Isaiah 53. Look at verse 3. This is what the Ethiopian eunuch was reading when he was travelling in the chariot. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray and we have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so opened not, so, open, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people was he stricken. A man who has believed with all of his heart, he's changed because of what he understands about the mercy of God to save him from his sins. Mm. When the Ethiopian eunuch was reading this portion of scripture and he was seeking to know who this was talking about, and uh, the Lord sent Philip his way. He's, he was uh, entreating the Lord of his favour. Who's this talking about? Of, of himself or some other man. But look what it does. Look what it does. 
Look what it causes a man who has understood the mercy of God. Look what it does to him. Look what it causes him to do. Go back to Psalm 119, 58. And look at verse 59. 58 says, I entreated thy favour with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. Verse 59 says, I thought on my ways and turned my feet under thy testimonies. What's he saying there? My ways. I don't want them anymore, Lord. I'm done. I'm done with my ways. What have you got for me, Lord? What, what do you want me to do? Verse 60, I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. When the Ethiopian eunuch, he went on his way rejoicing, just rejoicing with what he had found. Look at verse 61, the bands of the wicked have robbed me, but I have not forgotten thy law. Lord, the wicked have robbed me. I've lost a lot of years, but now I'm going to redeem the time. Now I'm going to redeem the time. Look at verse 62. At midnight I will rise to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. Lord, I can't stop thinking about you. I can't stop thinking about you. Thank you for what you've done. This is the heart of a, a man who has believed with all of his heart. Look at verse 63. I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. He seeks them that are of the same mind. I'm a companion of them. Verse 64. The earth, O Lord, is full of thy mercy. Teach me thy statutes. He lives every day thankful for the mercy of God. Thankful. Lamentations 3.22 says, It is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. Verse 23 Lamentation says, in, in the same passage, says, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Every day, you're so thankful to the Lord for the mercy that he had upon us and he continues to have mercy on us. A wholehearted believer knows that his sufficiency is from the Lord. The mercy of God in Jesus Christ is a guarantee of God's mercy and because of that, a man's life is changed when he understands that mercy of God. A wholehearted believer is forever humble by the favour of God toward him and knows it's only the grace and mercy of God in the death, burial and resurrection of our Saviour that he can walk with the Lord. It's only because of that. The seventh one is a wholehearted believer will have a heart for the Lord no matter what others may say. doesn't matter what others say. Look at Psalm 119 verse 69. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Many people, they receive the word of God like the seed that fell among the thorns or the one that fell on the, the pathway that got snatched away. As soon as they face family or friends that say all kinds of lies about them and put them down for their faith, they don't either choke or they buckle. Well, they compromise God's ways to try and find favour with, with the men. And they think that this is going to make things easier, but the Bible says in James 4.4, 4, the adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. 
Whosoever therefore be a friend of the world is, is the enemy of God. A wholehearted believer, he'll keep the word of God, wanting to please God. He won't let it get snatched away or choked by the things of this world. He won't, he won't let that happen. He's going to bear fruit. He'll bear fruit. He's going to be like the seed that fell on the good ground, the good soil. And that's despite whatever anyone's going to say. Doesn't matter what people say, that seed is going to plough that ground and it's going to grow up and it's going to bear fruit. Doesn't matter what anyone's going to say. Look at verse 70. Psalm 119, verse 70. He says there, Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in thy law. Lord, I don't care what they say about me. I don't care. I want to live for you. Verse 71, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Lord, it's good that they've treated me this way. It's made me rely more on what you say, Lord. Verse 72, the law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Lord, your words are worth more, than, more to me than anything that this world has to offer. Moses, he was also a man who cared more about God than what others might say. In Hebrews 11, 24 verse, uh, to 27, we read, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had a respect unto the recompense of the reward. Moses, he weighed it up. He weighed it up. He had respect unto the recompense of the reward. You know, am I going to just keep living this in sinful Egypt with all my comforts? You know, I've got a respected position here in Egypt. Life, as far as men are concerned, that could be great. Could be great. What's my reward going to be? Eternity in hell. He weighed it up. By faith he forsook Egypt, the Bible says, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He saw the Lord. He saw the Lord. The eighth one is a wholehearted believer cries out from the heart to the Lord for the Lord to hear him. Turn to Psalm 119, 145. A wholehearted believer cries out from the heart to the Lord for the Lord to hear him. Verse 145 says, I cried with my whole heart, hear me, O Lord, I will keep thy statutes. So we have to be careful when we see this word cried. It doesn't mean a blubbering mess. You know, The, the, the meaning of the word is to, to call out or... Uh, to address by, by name or, or a beseeching, you know, where the Bible says, you know, uh, in Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, emotions, they can come into it, but the cry is a call from the heart. It's a call from the heart. Again, uh, we can get a picture of what was going on for the heart of the Ethiopian eunuch. Now, he was reading the word of God, trying to understand it, and he was seeking God with his whole heart. 
And the Lord definitely heard him that day because he sent Philip just to tell him the gospel. Uh, a cry like this, it, it has to be from the heart. You know, your, your mouth can verbalise it, but it only verbalises what's going on in the heart. It's, if it's not from the heart, then really your words mean nothing. Romans 10 verse 10 says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. But that cry out to the Lord from your heart when you got saved should never grow old. Amen. should never grow old. That cry, it has a purpose. And it's that you'll keep his testimonies. And the purpose of no longer hoping in your own ways but in the Lord's. Because look at back there in Psalm 119, 146, verse 146 and 147. It says, I cried unto thee, save me, and I shall keep thy testimonies. That's the purpose. I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried, I hoped in thy word. That never grew old for David, never grew old. A wholehearted believer is done with his own ways and he's got a willing heart that cries out to God to hear him. He wants to live by God's word. A wholehearted believer also realises he's got a battle going on in his heart. There is. He realises he cannot trust it. Paul says in Romans 7 verse 18, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. He looks for guidance from God through his word by the power of the Spirit of God, and he leans not on his own understanding, he leans upon the understanding of God. So we looked at eight wholehearted passages from David, who was said to be a man after God's own heart. Now this is the attitude of a man who loves God. This is the attitude of a man who loves God. This is the attitude of a wholehearted believer in Jesus Christ. So today, can we say, that we have this attitude. Can we say that? Because that's, that's what a wholehearted believer looks like in the Bible. This is a man who has been saved. This is what it looks like. We can't say, oh yeah, yeah, you know, all my sin, but God looks at the heart. No, you're going to show how your heart is by what you do. That's what God's going to look at. He's going to look at that. So may the Lord help us be wholehearted believers in Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's live for him. Let's pray.